Okay, as part of our first day of orientation, we actually took a lecture. Sorry, let me get to my notes. Okay, as far as our first day of orientation goes, we uh, did a lecture which uh, was called Law School Foundations 1. And for this lecture, we studied a case. It was Brown v. Salt Lake City, and this is quite interesting because I'm from Utah, so uh, a lot of time during the course, uh, I'm the only person in my class from Utah, uh, so I was referenced a lot. But Brown v. Salt Lake City was a, a case. We read this unedited. That's important to note. Uh, and this brief came from unedited stuff. But the plaintiff is Brown and the defendants is Salt Lake City. During the trial court, the plaintiff won. And the defendant, Salt Lake City, is now appealing and hoping to receive relief based off of that appeal. Okay, so here's the background. So Salt Lake City had built a conduit uh, to navigate water from City Creek, and they managed irrigation at no cost and uh, for fire prevention at no cost. But they did, sorry, but they did uh, charge for domestic use. So if you were uh, for drinking water, they made a charge there or for showers, those kind of purpose. So when the water wasn't needed, they would have it flow in one way, and when it was needed, or if there was too much, then they would have it flow another way. There was a conduit that was a conduit that was built, and then a school that was built close by, and a grate that was built over the conduit. But over time, it became damaged, and uh, the students would play in it. They would think it's fun because they would go underground, and it was dark and cool and exciting. Uh, but one of these days. Uh, the boy, Marcus Brown, was the son of the plaintiff, uh, was playing in it, uh, was last known to be seen at a certain time and then found later, uh, passed on uh, in the conduit uh, from uh, damages that were occurred there. And so the mother sued the city uh, for negligence. And so there were four legal questions that the city is bringing in the defense. Uh, first uh, is... Is the city, sorry, the first is the plaintiff never filed a claim. The second is, these are what the defense is claiming. First, the plaintiff never filed a claim, so it's pretty much a a moot case. They have no standing because they didn't follow the rules. Uh, Second, the function of the waterworks is done as a governance instead of a corporation. Third, uh, if it is found that the city functioned as a corporation instead of governance, they would not be found negligence. And fourth, if the city was negligent, then the mother was also negligent and the city would not be held liable for the trespass of the boy. The court found judgment in behalf of the plaintiff and as a result, the city is liable for the death of the boy. So the court goes into each one of these four things. Uh, First, no claim was made. The court makes a distinction saying, uh, yes, there is no claim made, but this case is kind of different from the statute that is listed because uh, what if somebody died after 90 days of the claim was made, or what if... 
right, it's a third party who's making a claim in defense of that and because this person is a minor. And so the court uh, dismisses the city's case for no claim. Then it goes into the city acting as a governmental capacity. Uh, the court dismisses that because even though they offer some free services, and the water is also used for charge services, so it is acting as a corporation rather than govern- government in that instance. Third, the turntable cases. Uh, this is the part that I have a little bit of a confusing with, uh, but... And still go over it. Um, the turntable cases make a party liable for the damages incurred on a minor on their property, even if the minor was trespassing. And the court here adopts the turntable cases to an extent. They say not every single common thing is going to be is going to be found as liable, but for the most part. If it's, if it's enticing, if it's uncommon, exciting, and alluring to the child, then uh, then the person may be found liable for having that, uh, for not making sure that there's proper defense against injury. And fourth, uh, they argue that if they are found as negligent, sorry, the city argues that if they are found as negligent, then there's also uh, contributory negligence of the mother. And if there is that, then the court would not be held liable for those damages because that would go over to the mother. And the jury found that there was no negligence on the mother's behalf, and so the city is fully liable for all of this. And the appeal chose not to address that any further. Okay, so now let's go into the lecture just a little bit to discuss what's different about the lecture and what's different about Okay, let me rephrase that. Let's go over into the lecture a little bit. The lecture did two things. One, it wanted to help us understand what happens when we read an unedited case versus an edited case and why we might want to read one of those uh, types of cases. So during the lecture, we were actually given this case again, and we read the unedited case before lecture, and during lecture, we read an edited case that focused only on the third and the fourth principles listed. So let's just discuss briefly some of the reasons why we might want to read an unedited case. Well, an unedited case is useful for legal research and legal writing specifically because an unedited case is considered a primary source when you are citing the law. And you don't want to use unprimary uh, sources that are not primary when you are citing the law. So as a legal student, you may read some unedited cases, but it's going to be mostly legal writing. However, you may want to read edited questions cases because they pinpoint certain parts of the law. Sorry, somebody walking by. 
may want to read certain parts of the uh, you may want to read edited cases because they pinpoint certain parts of the law. By doing so, you can actually study that principle more fully, and that's why a lot what a lot of case books will do. They'll take several edited cases to pinpoint the principle that they're trying to state and show that with law students so that they can learn that principle. So you'd use edited cases mostly for learning so that they can be put as a secondary, secondary source such as in a case book. And you use unedited cases for legal writing and research. And so that's really what we talked about during that case is what do lawyers read versus what do law students read? And why would you read certain cases and why would you not read other cases? Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.